From the Financial Times in London, I'm Daniel Thomas, and this is FT News. 2017 has been another frenetic year for corporate news around the world, with Trump leading a deregulation and tax reform agenda, Britain coming to terms with Brexit, and European regulators taking hard alliance on tech and tax. I'm here with Brooke Masters, our company's editor, to discuss some of the biggest stories this year. First of all, Brooke, can we talk about Trump? He's defining the corporate agenda over in the US and ripping up rule books and all that sort of stuff. What sort of effect has he had this year, particularly in the taxation realm? Well, the biggest accomplishment is the tax bill, which obviously snuck through at the very end of December, right before everyone went home for Christmas. And fundamentally, that will provide enormous benefits for American companies. The main headline thing is that it cuts the corporate tax rate significantly. And that provides real benefits to companies that can use short-term capital expenditures. So according to our research so far, among the big winners are mining companies, hotel and restaurant companies, because they tend to use the kind of capital expenditures that will benefit particularly under this cut in the corporate tax rate. One of the other really big beneficiaries is Apple, because... What this does is change the way overseas income by companies is taxed. Apple has boodles and boodles and boodles of overseas income from all the things it sells abroad, and it has not brought that income back to the U.S., because it doesn't want to pay taxes on it. Now that there is going to be a new separate levy, around 15%, specifically on overseas income, and therefore frees up all that, what that means is Apple, if it had brought all of its money back, would have paid an enormous tax bill. With the new lower rate, it will save about $47 billion. I mean, that's an enormous amount of money. Does that trickle down to shareholders as well, do you think? Apple said that one of the things they would likely use the extra money for is buybacks, which of course push up share prices and will trickle down to shareholders. Trump has also had quite a hand in some of the consolidation stories this year, particularly in the media sector, I'm thinking now. And we've seen some massive deals, some unthinkable deals from a few years back, really, with Fox and Disney and AT&T and Time Warner. What's driving the consolidation? Well, the media companies, of course, are having to react to the fact that the advertising environment has changed dramatically. And most of their advertisers are starting to send all their money to Google and Facebook. And there is also the question of, as people move away from TV to streaming, there are fights with the cable companies and also fights with the broadband providers. And that has forced the media companies to think about how to have a direct relationship with their consumers. And so what we've seen now is Disney is trying to find a way to create its own relationship. And one of the things it bought in this deal it's done with Fox is Hulu, which is a streaming company. So you can see that connection. There is a fair amount of overlap between what Disney bought from Fox. In the past, that might have been seen as a problem for antitrust, but Trump is widely perceived as being easier on competition issues than perhaps some Democrats would be. Intriguingly, though, the other big deal of the year involving media, in fact, is unexpectedly facing opposition from Trump. And that, of course, is the AT&T Time Warner deal. That was initially not seen as a problem because it's a vertical merger. And a vertical merger means a company buys a company that's sort of in its production chain, but doesn't directly compete with it. And under the Obama administration, that deal had been announced. People thought it would go through. But the um, Trump folks have now announced they're going to try to block it. Mm. So that's going to be one of the big agenda items for next year. Fascinating. Is this very much companies responding to the rise of streaming and Netflix and the digital media strategies we've seen, uh, you know, come through and disrupt their own industries? You would probably know that better than I do. I mean, my sense, Dan, is that that is a big motivator. But what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, if you can basically get the entire world's content on a £7 or $7 a month subscription service, it really throws into the air all the business models that these people have based their companies around for the last few decades. And it's interesting that you are seeing the content come together. The Fox Disney deal creates a content powerhouse. They've got all the Star Wars movies and all the rest of it. It does feel that that's kind of a moment. 
certainly seems that way to me. And I suppose it's still possible that there will be some competition issues in Europe simply because it is going to be just so big. Yeah, and Sky here clearly is a potential problem. People saying maybe Sky is not quite the valuation that Disney is now having to pay for it and that sort of thing. So again, a nice running battle for next year. Absolutely. I look forward to seeing it. Moving away from the M&A space, but still in the realms of corporate activity, we've seen this this great rise of activist investors coming through and challenging some of the biggest companies in the world, really, like P&G and so on. What's been behind that shift? I think in a world where share prices are rising pretty steadily and the S&P 500 keeps growing and you can just do really well with passive investing, one of the ways that funds can differentiate themselves is to pick a single company, take it on, and force change. And that way you can offer something different to your investors from you know, a Vanguard S&P 500 fund. And I think that is a lot of why there are lots of activist campaigns right now. There's also, I think, a growing sense that bad corporate governance is bad for the world. And so there is support from some of the passive investors for these activists if they choose to take on companies. Mm. Nelson Peltz is probably the leading activist this year. He took on Procter & Gamble in what is seen as the most expensive proxy fight ever. And in the end, they had a recount. It was all very complicated, but he's ended up with a seat on the board, even though it wasn't quite clear exactly how it worked. And he is actually trying to force P&G, which has always been very internally focused, to do some more acquisitions, to try and broaden itself and rethink its strategy more along the lines of the way some of its competitors like Unilever have. Mm. And what's interesting about that is consumer groups are under pressure, all of them. And so I think he is, again, an industry that needs to rethink how it does business. And the activists see a way in of forcing them to do it. And they think they can make quick gains or even longer term gains by doing Mm. it. The other name that comes up time and time again is Elliot. They seem to have been very active this year in a number of situations, particularly on the M&A side of things. What do you think of their performance this year? Well, according to our stats, which we got from Lazar, the investment bank, they actually have done eight new campaigns this year at BHP Billiton, Axo Nobel, and a whole batch of other folks. And they've had a mixed record, to be honest, but they've gotten some board seats. And so I think... One of the most interesting ones was Arconic, where the CEO of Arconic wrote a really nasty letter to Elliot. It seemed very odd and ended up having to resign over it. So they were just trying to get board seats and they managed to get rid of the CEO. So I think you have to call that a success for them. The other big high-profile campaign, of course, is the London Stock Exchange, which was just an extraordinary sight. Here's Sir Christopher Hone, who runs TCI, the Children's Investment Fund, decided that he did not like the way the LSE had handled the succession planning for Xavier Role, who's the CEO. He's been CEO for 14 years, widely seen as successful, but also some people were getting tired of him. And so the LSE announced he was leaving, but not for a while. Hone decided he wanted to get him reinstated. And so he basically started a campaign to try and get Role reinstated and force out the chairman. And it went to an extraordinary general meeting actually just this week. And he did lose, but he's still banging on about it. And I think the chairman will eventually go because he's widely seen as not having handled this well. Absolutely. That was a story which really gripped the city of London this year. And as you say, the TCI activist in this particular case still calls this a symbolic victory, despite the fact he lost. So he obviously thought he got something out of it, I guess. Well, he did get just over 20% of the votes, which in a fairly consensual society, that's pretty unusual to get. And also, it is pretty clear, I think, that Donald Bryden, the chairman, is going to go once they have sorted out a successor for Role. So he got a scalp. It may not have been quite the way he wanted it, but he did get something. Yeah, fascinating battle that was. It's been such a busy year this year, hasn't it, Brooke? I mean, what are your favorite stories that you've covered? 
For sheer drama, you can't beat Uber. Over the course of this year, they've gotten rid of their CEO. They've been called up for sexual harassment. Their valuation has dropped. Their drivers have allegedly committed murders. I mean, it's just amazing. And of course, it is one of the world's most valuable companies that's still private. That's definitely got to be a winner. For another scandal, I mean, the whole series of scandals that are gripping the Japanese corporate scene are just kind of amazing. I mean, Toshiba has had this running accounting scandal. And now every time you turn around, another company has come out and said, we've got some sort of standards or testing regime that it turns out we've been lying for years. Today it was Subaru says they're investigating whether they've been faking emissions data. Kobe Steel has been faking its safety data. I mean, it's just amazing what's happening there. So that's another one of those ones that's still running and you really just don't know the depth of it. And I guess finally, the one you can't forget is Amazon bought Whole Foods, Mm. which means the giant e-retailer is in groceries. And that is causing all kinds of ructions across the industry. And one we will see it play out next year. Absolutely. A a huge story of disruption, uh, typical of Amazon in many ways, coming in there, all guns blazing and taking on the big retailers. Looking forward to 2018, we'll see much more of that, much more tech disruption, more startups taking on the big companies, more activists challenging management to prove themselves in the corporate sphere. So I think it should be a fascinating year ahead. Looking forward to it. Fantastic. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 